Hi, I'm Jessica Page, Miss Universe, Great Britain 2023, and this is my interview with The Pageant Project. Good morning, everyone. Over in the UK, it's Adrian from The Pageant Project. My special guest for today is Jessica Page, who is Miss Universe Great Britain 2023. Jessica, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I've watched many of your interviews, so thank you for having me. You poor thing. There have, there have been more than a few. Um, guys, if watching at home, I can see a bunch of you tuning in. If you haven't seen any of my interviews before, make sure to leave any questions for Jess uh, in the comments and I will get them to her so she can answer all of your questions because I imagine she's quite busy right now preparing for a little pageant known as Miss Universe. Mm. Um, right Now, my understanding is that it's in November in El Salvador. Is that correct? It certainly is. What a great country. I'm so excited. The final's actually on the 18th of November. Um, so I'm heading out early November. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I've never been to El Salvador before. So I can't wait. Well, I'm sure. I mean, I just saw where it is. It's Central America, for those of you who don't know. Um, I don't know much about the country, but it certainly looks like um, you're going to have uh, one hell of a time. But first things first, um, you won Miss Universe Great Britain. Has it sunk in yet? Oh, you know, I think I actually spoke to Noki Sambani, who's the previous Miss Universe Great Britain, and she said to me, Jess, when she handed it over, she said, I've never felt more like Miss Universe Great Britain than when I handed it over to you. And she said it probably won't actually sink in until you get to that point and even then maybe not and a lot of the previous girls who have worn have said the same thing to me um and you know it hasn't it hasn't it's, it still feels really crazy to me because obviously my journey was so long to get to this point um it just still feels so so when I wake up in the morning and I just think you actually did do that a month ago you actually did win and uh, so yeah it is it's been crazy can you describe, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this before we jumped on live, but I'm not 100% familiar with your pageant journey. I've seen bits and pieces. So as I understand, I mean, the internet can be wildly inaccurate, but yeah. I saw a tilt at the Miss Universe GB uh, crown at, in 2016. Um, mm -hmm. I think again in 2019. Now in 2016, yeah. I think you did better than you did in 2019, which is something yeah. I want to ask you about. Then you, you competed again in Miss GB, I think last year, where you yeah. came first runner-up to Amy, who I love. I love Amy. Um, yes. But in my mind, first runner-up is the worst position to come because you're that it close, is. but not quite. And then you finally managed to win. But can you just trace for us your pageant journey? Yeah. Well, you know what? It actually goes further back than that, actually. So when I was 17, so I'm now 27. And when I was 17, I actually did the Miss Liverpool heat to go to Miss England. Um, and I never won, I actually came second. Um, but back then, when you came second, you actually did go to the final as a runner-up. Um, so I actually competed at Miss England runner-up that year. Um, and I placed top 10, actually, I think. And then I went back again to Miss Liverpool 
it might have been the year after or the year after that. I feel like it's been so long. I've probably forgotten myself, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went back to Miss Liverpool again and I didn't win again. Um, but then I was offered a place as a wild card at Miss England. And I actually placed top five that year at Miss England. Um, and then I took a few years away from it. And 2016 was Miss Universe GB. And, you know, it was always the one that I wanted. You know, it's it's always the dream of a, of a lot of young girls, especially in the UK. It's probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest mm. in, the, in this country. Um, you know, and I was very young then, but I just thought I want to give this a go and just see what it's about. Um, so, yeah, I, I ended up placing top five that year. I think it was, it ended up being the final, well, we weren't the final three, but the final final three girls on stage waiting for the name to be called as the winner. I think it was Jamie Lee Faulkner, myself and Victoria 2B. And wow. I remember being on that stage thinking, these two girls next to me are just, you know, royalty. And mm. I'm just this young girl um totally just didn't believe this would happen but you know I think I definitely got the bug for Miss Universe and it was probably when I realized that that was the system for me really um so I did that year and I had placed top five and then like you say yes I actually did go back in 2019 and I didn't place that year um and you know I think what that was is I'd actually placed so much pressure on myself competing that year and you know i definitely fell for the this is what i felt like i have to be and i was trying to be that typical miss universe girl and i was trying to to kind of work with the people that everybody else was working with and i think i almost lost myself trying to be that person and yeah. i think obviously that reflected in the, the placement um and you know i think it's tough because when you've done so well and you go back again and you don't do as well, it can knock you and it can make you think, oh, I, I don't want to go back again and do this again. Um, but I, I think at that point, I actually, I remember speaking to the director of Miss Universe Great Britain, um, Paula, and mm. Paula doesn't give any results out to any of the girls, but she does, if they ask her for her own personal feedback, she will. And she said to me, you know what, Jess, I think you need to go out there and get some life experience and just go out and learn about yourself and what it is that you give. So I actually ended up leaving that year and I went and did some traveling. I went to do some solo traveling myself. Um, I ended up setting up a business, um, working my way up in my career. And then when I went to Miss Great Britain, the year before last, I definitely felt like I was in a different place. I was in, I was a different kind of person. And I, I think I had a better idea of what it was that I could give back to this industry. And, you know, I think obviously placing first runner up is not ideal, you know, of course not, you know, getting so close, but not getting there is probably worse than not placing at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm so glad that I didn't win that because then I went on and to win <laughs> Universe Great Britain. So everything happens for a reason. Can I just say how much I love Paula's advice, um, the director of Miss yeah. Universe GB and Miss World Wales, just because her advice didn't involve going straight back into another pageant. 
um, because I, one of the pieces of advice that I will take to the grave with me is that the best way to succeed in pageantry is to create an amazing life outside of it. And I'll stick by that yeah. until the day I die. And I'm really glad to hear a director say that because mm -hmm. all too often it's like, oh, you should enter again and just do this differently. But you mm. need time, I believe. And let, let's yeah. dig into this a bit because I know mm -hmm. that you're heavily into business and entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. some of those life cycles are the same, right? It's like you've got an idea and you start and you start and it goes really well or maybe it falls flat mm -hmm. on its face. And But then you're like, do I keep going? And then you've got people who doubt you and say, Jess, maybe just do a nine to five. It's easier. And, you know, you might have a nine to five on the side. And pageantry to me, it's exactly the same. It's like, well, you got first runner up. Like, you know, that's better than everyone except the winner. So why not just call it quits there? And then there's this little thing in you that just keeps going. No, no, I still have something left to give. Um, yeah. So just talk to me about that sort of that fine separation between inspiration and maybe insanity for want of a for want of a better word because you've chased this dream for 10 years how how did you know it was the right thing to keep going uh, you know i'm definitely not going to sugarcoat this I, there were, I just wasn't going to do anything again after miss great britain i definitely was kind of like <laughs> i'm done with this and <laughs> okay you know adrian it's expensive okay like it's I work <laughs> yes. hard. a lot of my wages go into this hobby um <laughs> And, you know, I think what it was, was I think I've never competed internationally or won a national crown. And I think a lot of the previous Miss Universe Great Britain winners have actually won something previously and then won that. And I've, I've never done that. Um, and I think part of me was a little bit like, is that going to go against me that I don't have that international experience? Um, but I honestly was definitely when I finished at Miss Great Britain, I was like, I don't know what else I have got left to give. And I mm. felt like I gave my best performance and I definitely left feeling deflated. And I felt, you know, and I was constantly going around in my head thinking, what could I else could I have done? And then, you know, when I actually spoke to Paula and she's, I actually said to her, Paula, I'm 20 eight in October so what does that mean does that mean I, I have to do it this year otherwise I won't be able to and she literally said to me this would be your last time and I just thought damn it I'm going to have to do it again and um because I couldn't not you know <laughs> I, of course I could not you know it was there you know what would be the te what would the 10 years be there for what would I have learned if I hadn't gone back and given it that extra try and I think it's just kind of part of my personality, I think, to just be tenacious and be determined. And I guess I think it was it was about nobody else. It was probably me trying to prove this to myself that I will get to that point. And um, obviously, I'm very glad that I did go back now. But I think it just required if, if there's something inside of you that says I'm not done, you know, forget what everybody else says. You know, I think a lot of the time your friends and your family who care about you so much will say mm. it's worth the hassle. You know, you did great. Like you just said, you know, you place first runner up. You know, you don't have to prove anything. Um, if you've got something inside of you that wants you to keep going, then listen to that. And that is definitely, like you say, a part of my personality and in, in everything that I do in my business and um, in, in my career as well as pageantry. So, but I definitely think it takes a strong person to come back from those failures and mm. kind of 
show up again and show your face again and be like, no, I'm not going to let this affect me and I'm, and I'm going to come back again. So do you think looking back on it now with the benefit of hindsight, are you grateful that the journey took 10 years rather than one and done? Because talking in terms of your predecessors, so for example, Emma Jenkins, she won Miss Wales previously to holding Miss Universe GB. Um, Jeanette, actually, I think that was her first ever pageant, bit of a bit of an unexpected. Emma Collingridge had um, represented in Galaxy, Noki had represented at Miss Grand, and then you come along and, you know, it's not your first pageant, but first chance to represent internationally. But are you grateful now that it took 10 years? You know, I don't think I, I, I don't think I would have won. Well, I mean, obviously, because the reason why I am the person I am, and I think the reason why people often look to me now as an inspiration is because it took so long and because I didn't give up and I wouldn't be the person that I am. And I think, you know, being in pageantry and it taking me 10 years, that has actually probably shaped my personality and to, to keep going in other areas of my life that I don't always succeed in. Um, and yeah, I've, I am grateful because I've learned so much and it means more to me now, actually, Adrian. I think winning it really proved to myself that you you were right and if you do work hard mm. enough um so yeah i am i am it was it's been an incredible 10 years so but now i can relax <laughs> can you describe to me what was the what was the feeling when you realized that you won because i think everyone's slightly different but would you describe it as excitement relief like what what was the over i mean if you can remember some people basically blank out and basically pass out but what I'm fascinated to know, given that your journey, as we've discussed, took a decade, what was the overwhelming or overriding emotion you felt when you realized that you'd won the biggest title in the UK? I think I, because I'd been stood there twice before, it was never in my mind that it was going to be mine. And I think because I'd probably almost prepared myself for it not to be, I think when they called my name, I just, I, that was the moment that I'd always wanted. And I've never even won a regional competition, Adrian. I, I never once won Miss Liverpool. I never once won any kind of regional. So I've never actually had my name called as a winner ever. And obviously <laughs> I don't know what that feels like. Um, and I think when they called my name, it was just so surreal. And I think, I mean, you've seen the reaction of me. Uh, there's a photo. And I definitely, I have this really ugly cry face. Um, I'm just like. Hang oh. on, hang on, hang on, hang on. All right. So so let, let's do this. I do want to bring this on because I have it specially here. So this is a photo that Jessica is referring to. Now, I love this photo because to me, it just shows how much it meant to you. But yeah. do you want to continue and narrate what you were feeling at this moment in time? Yeah, I, I think it was kind of like, I always had, you know, that, because when you're in that that top three, you've either come fourth or fifth, or you've either come first. And obviously I've been in that position before with Jamie Lee and Victoria Tooby. And um, the girls, in my opinion, that I was stood on that stage with were just, their answers to their final questions were amazing. I was convinced. I was like, no, this is not mine. And all the girls you can see in the background there, before we actually went on stage, they were like, you, you've got this, It's gonna. You, you did amazing. And I said, no, girls, 
no and <laughs> if you ask them they'll be like they they were all backstage going stop this stop this you've got this stay in your stay in your zone i was like oh girls thanks for the support but no it's not it's not um but yeah no that that feeling is something that i wish i i wish i kind of reveled in a little bit more and kind of really took that in because it went so quickly and um i think i said to you when i've been in that position previously and it wasn't my name that feeling probably went on for about 30 minutes but as a winner Mm. that whole thing just kind of came and went so quickly and i was just so full of emotion and i i almost probably didn't have much emotion i was probably quite normal i didn't really understand what was going on i was like <laughs> is this actually real is, is this going on yeah uh, yeah but it, i i mean that photo that that made it even more special though that i had so much of the girls behind me and i think that is like proof of the 10-year journey that i've had as well because all those girls in that behind me there you've got Jordan you've got Georgie and you've got Italia and they've been a part of my journey and they and to see that and have that reaction was so special it just made it so much better for me yeah, yeah. I, I was actually going to highlight that I mean your your face is one thing but what I really love about this photo <laughs> is you, you can't fake spontaneity Right. So you can see genuinely every single one of those girls behind you, those women behind you, they look like they've won themselves. I mean, they look more excited than you do. You, you're I questionable. <laughs> but I mean, like Jordan, for example, who I've interviewed, like she, she looks like she's about to cry. Yeah. But she's, she's been like, I think we did Miss England together years ago. And I've known Jordan for so long. And, um, she actually bought me a really lovely present. Um, she actually got me a dressing gown with Miss Universe Great Britain on that she actually gave to me because she said, you know, I want you to have this as the winner. And then, she, yeah, she's, she's been a part of my journey. And that's, that's probably one of the things that you do get with a winner who has been in this industry for so long and who does know a lot of the girls. Um, and hopefully, you know, it shows that I'm a nice girl and they like me. Um, so, yeah. It, it was amazing. Yeah, that that one's you can't fake that. I I was um, talking to some some of the girls over here in Australia, and they just had a pageant. And apparently, a lot of the girls um, when they didn't make the top five or top twelve, mm -hmm. whatever, they literally just left. Um, you know, their parents they up and left. And when it got to the winner, there, there was almost no people left in the in, oh, in the audience. And I just had to tell her that's not normal. Um, mm -hmm. At least. You see, my experience in the UK has been whatever else you say, the audience really does seem to cheer for everybody. Also, everyone loses their voices in the It's It's amazing because I've been to the UK before for pageants and the night after, everyone has lost their voice. It's hilarious mm -hmm. because they cheer for absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this photo, if I was you, I'd be framing this one, not necessarily just for your face, but because that joy on the faces of the women behind you, that has to speak volumes as to who you are, right? Yeah, yeah. And that that definitely like makes me humble as well to, to see that. Because, you know, I think everybody, when they compete, essentially, well, I mean, I think I've definitely got to that point where the older I've gotten and the more serious this hobby became to me, as much as I am there to make friends, and I make friends every year, Mm. I am there with the serious, 
you know, I want to win this. It's a dream of mine. And I am, I do have that in it to win attitude. And I think that's quite a healthy thing to have. And I, yep. I think that's probably one of the reasons that I would suggest young women to enter pageants, because I think that's a really great personality trait to have. And I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, being in it to win it and having that passion to, to get to a point that you want to win something. And I think it's hard sometimes to manage the two and understand how important it is that you want something, but it's also important to enjoy the experience and just be nice and, you know, get along with everybody because eventually when you do win, you want photos like that. You don't want yeah. photos with nobody celebrating. Really? They've all been amazing. We actually went to London a few weeks ago and a load of the girls came and we all caught up. And I have just been overwhelmed by the support from them. They've been lovely. Yeah. Has your has your concept of yourself at all or your opinion of yourself changed because you now have that title? I, I just think given that how long it took, so 10 years, mm. I mean, I, obviously winning the title was a huge thing and I'm very competitive as well. So I completely understand <laughs> that. And I think you need that in business, can I just say. Yes. But, has your concept of yourself or who you are, has it changed at all? Or has it just sort of proven to yourself that, you know what, I'm all right, I'm okay? Do you know what? I, um, it's proven to me that I, I didn't waste my time. Because honestly, if I hadn't have won, I would have probably been like, I tried this for 10 years and I never got what I wanted. And I, I, I think maybe it would have changed me if I hadn't have won. Because I think it probably would have made me maybe kind of just think, what's the point? What's the point yeah. in all the hard work? And I think, but, but what it's shown me when I did is that determination really, really does pay off. Mm. Um, and, you know, finally I can actually show that because otherwise if I hadn't, people would have been like, that girl, I tried for 10 years and nev she never got it. So, um and the amount of people that have said to me, I'm going to recompete again because you have mm. shown that, you know, 10 years of hard work really does pay off eventually. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely just feel like oh, a bit of relief um, that, you know, it really, it was meant to be mine one day and I just needed to wait for the right time and everything happens for a reason. So, yeah. Guys, I can see a bunch of you watching. I can hear you breathing. So if you have any questions for Jess, <laughs> don't be shy. Put them in the comments. But let me just play devil's advocate for a second. So in an alternate timeline mm -hmm. where Jessica doesn't win at her last attempt and let's say she comes first runner up or doesn't place, whichever version is worse in your mind, mm -hmm. what advice would you have given to that alternate version of yourself? And I ask this because there are a lot of girls who, a lot of people who stick with something time and time again <laughs> and they don't end up getting the win. And mm -hmm. I don't want to discourage people like that. And I don't think that it's a waste of time because a lot of it really is the journey because you learn so much. I'm sure you would attest to this. You learn so much and you develop so much just through that journey. Obviously, the crown, the crown at the end is nice, but it's far from a given. So what advice would you give to someone like that or that alternate version of yourself who put in the hard work and for whatever reason, it just wasn't meant to be, whether it's in pageantry business, personal life, whatever it is? I think, unfortunately, we actually try to make people feel like they shouldn't feel disappointed. And that is such a natural emotion to have. And I think when people do come second, 
you know, everyone's like, come on, like, don't be like that. You don't mm. need to, but we are. And, and I think it's important to understand that that's allowed. You know, you are allowed to feel that way. You, you put so much effort into something and it is a natural feeling to feel that way. And if I hadn't won, I think I would have probably felt like I hadn't achieved that dream. And I think that's okay to feel that way. And I, I think a lot of girls do feel that way. But I think what my personality has shown me is that no matter if I'd have won after 10 years or not, I, I still did it for 10 years. So that determination mm. inside me is still there no matter what. Um, and, you know, you're, you've probably be, become a person who has grown so much and you've probably got a very thick skin and yeah. you understand what it's like to really put the effort and time into something that you want. And I have said to a lot of girls, if it's not meant to be, it will not be. And if it is, then it is. And I think that's, I, I am a, a very big believer of that. And I, that's come from Miss Great Britain. And I wanted Miss Great Britain, but that wasn't meant to be for a reason. And I think mm. every corner that we turn in life, there's probably something better for us around every corner. And if you're, if anyone is going through that experience where they've been in pageantry for a long time and they've not achieved the title that they want, I think something will be around the corner, whether it is pageantry or not. I think you not winning has created a different opportunity or a different path for you. But mm. you know what? Okay. Like, I think I, I have felt like, I hadn't wanted to compete again and I felt down and that that feeling is okay and I think we need to make sure that people understand there's nothing wrong with feeling that way and you shouldn't feel like yeah. you shouldn't tell people that it's okay to say you're disappointed and I think when you do finish a pageant I think it, we should make it a norm for girls to be like I am disappointed because mm. that's okay and I don't think people should necessarily make you feel bad for feeling that way. I've always kind of been like, if I've ever been with any girls that are just, have been disappointed when I've competed, I've always been like, you know what, let's have a conversation about it because you're disappointed, I get that. Let's talk about it, you're okay to be disappointed. So yeah, I, I definitely think I would have carried on that determination in me, but it, would have, it wouldn't have been easy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat no. it, it wouldn't have been easy, but I definitely think there's something around the corner for everyone. Yeah, it's definitely not easy, but I think it's just part of life. I mean, oh, even yeah. though you've even though you've won the big title of your dreams now, it's not like your life's going to be perfect after this. No. And this is why I, I mentioned earlier about how I think this industry is so great for character building for young women. It's so great. And mm. it teaches so many traits that you wouldn't get in life. I think competition in general actually does that for you. But mm. I am not I would not be the woman I am today without you know, I wouldn't be able to interview, I wouldn't be able to speak publicly, I wouldn't be as confident in myself, I wouldn't be have this thick skin. Um, I think it, it does so much for young women. I'm just going to circle around to the comments because I saw, um, yeah, uh, Georgie is here, uh, otherwise known as the food critic. Still still the best job. I mean, can we just talk as a pageant girl, having a job as a food critic? Could, could there be possibly a better job? There's two ends of the spectrum there, though, isn't there, really? I mean, well, yes. I mean, when pageant season is over, though, yeah. I mean, yeah, up until that point. Um, but Georgie has given us our first question, which is what are you looking forward to the most 
about going to uh, to El Salvador to compete for Miss Universe? Oh, that's a very generic question. God, there's so much. Um, I think for me, a prelims has just always been a dream of mine, obviously. That's going to be probably the best day whilst I'm there. But I think I just to have the opportunity to represent Great Britain on an international stage is something that I've always dreamed of. And meeting these girls from all over the world and just expanding my network of, of sociable knowledge and meeting people and having friends all over the world. Yeah, I think that's what I'm excited about. Also, I think I would love to, to, to chat with these girls about their experience of pageantry within their countries, because I'm sure it's very mm. different. Um, you know, I, would, I really am looking forward to speaking to countries such as Philippines and South Africa and Thailand, because it's just a totally different world over there. And I really want to kind of understand their life and their day-to-day -day life. Let me put it this way to you. They need security guards. It, it, it's, a, it's another world when you go to places like India or Venezuela and because literally like the goal for so many women over there, the life dream is to become a pageant queen. And if you do, that's that's your life made. Yeah. So it's very difficult coming from the UK or from Australia to even fathom that because you could win Miss Universe here in Australia, walk down the street and probably no one would recognize you. Um <laughs> It's not not the case in those countries, I can assure you. I mean, on that question, on, on that note, have you now walked down the street since your big win? Has anyone recognised you and stopped you for an autograph or is that not a yeah. thing yet? Adrian, I actually took my dad to a concert two days after I won and somebody actually turned around to me and said, Jess, I've been following your journey for 10 years. She's like, you don't even know me, but I'm so happy for you. She'd had a few drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Throw her under the bus. Yeah, she started to get really emotional. She was like, you don't even know me. You don't even know me, but I just wanted to say congratulations. I've followed your journey for so many years and it's so well deserved. And my dad was like, oh, that's my daughter. And honestly, um, but yeah, no, I people don't recognise me when I walk down the street, put it that way. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But that's got to be a really nice feeling when you have someone like that tell you that you know they've been following you obviously and they've been watching your journey that's got to feel good no it does it does um and I think like I said I um I got quite emotional actually the the few weeks after winning because the amount of messages that I had from young women that were just all like the support was incredible and you know there were people that I'd competed with back when I was in Miss England and they mm. said always knew you were going to get to a point like this one day and there was something about you that that I just remembered and and ever since then I've followed your journey and it's just I was very overwhelmed I, I think obviously winning was quite an overwhelming thing for a long time as well and it still is and but these messages that I was getting from people that I haven't seen for years or spoken to and the support's just been incredible and I I can't thank people enough and I just I'm glad that I'm able to kind of inspire people yeah let's uh let's switch tacks for a bit you've mentioned competition a couple of times i love competition i i grew up as a um well i i was working as a tennis coach and i i'm very competitive i don't like to lose um and i don't think there's anything wrong with that obviously everything in moderation but really? i've owned my own business I, i've had only one nine to five job straight out of <laughs> university 
and mm-hmm. I hated it so much that ever since then I've owned my own business. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about entrepreneurship. Talk to me about starting your own business. I have here that you started your own first your first enterprise at 23 mm-hmm. with uh, 200 pounds, um, yep. starting from a small bedroom in your home. So yes. talk to me about the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Do you know, I actually set up my first business with a partner of mine um, and we, it was during COVID and we had this idea. We actually saw a similar concept actually in Australia. So you might actually know it. It was a cheesecake on a stick. Um, you have a couple of them in Australia actually. Um, so we actually brought it to the UK because I'm a huge foodie. I love food so much. That's probably why me and Georgie get on so well. Um, she treats me to all this amazing food. Um, <laughs> But um, I actually, we, we created this concept because I was so fed up of working in a nine to five job where I wasn't happy in, and I'm a natural leader. And I think in school, um, I think people mis- mis- mistake it, mistalk my leadership as bossy. Mm. And when I was a kid, you know, the teacher would be like, she's very bossy. And in parents' evening, my, my parents would be like, well, yeah, well, she can be. But then as I've grown older, that's more because I'm a leader. And I, I, I think that kind of translates into the, my entrepreneurial skills that I now have. And being an entrepreneur means that you need to be able to make these decisions, these tough decisions, these leadership decisions. And when I left my nine to five role and I moved into becoming an entrepreneur, it was something that I... I, I was scared about doing because we're not taught to do that in school. We're not taught to just quit our jobs and earn our own money. You know, we're taught to be safer working for somebody else. You know, you'll be looked after. Mm. You know, I actually went to university, finished university, go to a graduate scheme, work for a big company. They'll look after you. Um, and I just, in fact, to be honest, COVID for me gave me the opportunity to really try that out um and i think maybe i wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for covid Mm. um so i left my job and and we set up um our business in a small bedroom um and we didn't take any loans out we didn't take any bank loans or anything like that we we just set up with 200 pounds and we made this dessert company and it was very successful um and it went on for three years and then after the three years, um, at the start of last year, I decided that I wanted to do something by myself on my own. I didn't want to work in a partnership anymore. So I, but, but again, even, even that decision was really tough because I kind of still had a little bit of a crutch when I was doing it with somebody else. Um, yeah. And again, I think this, this kind of shows my journey to, to become this more independent woman because I've done it slowly, but I'm now at that point where I'm confident enough at 27 to do all this by myself. Mm. And I now have set up a different dessert concept and um, another another business. But I, I spin a lot of plates, Adrian. I'm, I feel like a lot mm. of pageant girls do. I feel like we're all, we've got our fingers in all these different pies, really. Um, but I think the whole journey to becoming an entrepreneur is kind of, what makes me I kind of get frustrated at the education system sometimes because 
when I think about myself as a 15, 16 year old, I wish they brought out those skills in me back then when I was younger and really understood that this girl wants to work for herself. She she clearly has got this entrepreneurial flair inside of her. And I think that's now what encourages me to really speak to young people and kind of recognize those skills that I had and just help them with my own experiences. And I want them to be confident to go out and set their own business up, not be scared to do that. Mm. Um, and, and if I can give them any tips and any tricks to achieving that, then hopefully I can do that with the journey that I've had. And um, I could talk forever about my business and, and where I've, how I've got to where I am, but I'll be here forever. Well, if I'm completely honest, I'm probably more interested in entrepreneurship than pageantry. And that's only because I've lived a journey as being in my own business for over 20 years. And I think any entrepreneur who's worth his or her salt would agree with you on the education system as it does not promote leadership. And I say this having coached tennis at an all-girls school. Um, I, it really bugs me that you were labeled as bossy because yeah. in my estimation, the exact same character trait in a male would be called being a leader, but in a yeah. female, it's bossy. So that bugs me, yeah. number one. The education system failing us is, is number two. But also when people, I don't know if you've ever been asked this, or just when are you just going to get a real job? When are you going to get a real job and settle down? Now, see, that really annoys me because I think that shows a huge misunderstanding mm -hmm. of what entrepreneurship really, really is. And that old excuse that, oh, you know, you'd be, it's safer to work at another job, you know, just take a salary. That mm. is becoming less and less true now. I mean, over here, I don't know what it's like over in the UK, but you look at like real estate companies, real estate developers, mm. they're going out of business like one every week. And you're telling me mm. that oh, I should just work for someone else. It'd be safer. Yeah. I don't think so. Not anymore. And then especially with AI coming in, there's very little thing as job certainty. Mm. So does it ever frustrate you? I mean, have you ever been asked, for example, or has it been suggested to you that you should just get a real job? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the top percent of millionaires are entrepreneurs and business owners. And I definitely think that is the foundation to becoming very, very successful. And those mm. personal traits in those top percent of earners in the world are those of leaders. And I think at the moment, I, I you know, and I think, I think it, it's hard because in order to set your own business up, you need money. And you do need to keep earning. And as, as you get older, life gets in the way and things are expensive. And you have to yeah. pay for them. And I think the difference between um, the difference between someone who works for somebody else and an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur will keep going with little, little money. Mm. And they will work on the side because they know that the end goal is to work for themselves. And they yeah. will... They will avoid any conversation or any topic around are you sure you want to do that or that might not go to plan because they yeah. they're, most of the time they're pretty determined to, to get to where they want to be but people have said to me are you sure you want to do this um are you sure you want to work for yourself but i think i'm quite lucky my dad has always had his own businesses my mom has always worked for another business for 10 years in a row. She's, she's always been committed to a company. And the other side, my dad has had his own businesses. So I've had yeah. a little bit of both really. Mm -hmm. 
so when I decided to work for myself, I think I was quite lucky. My parents were very much supportive because they know my personality and they knew I was going to have to give that a go at some point in my life because um, they were like, right, this is it. She, she really needs to give this a go because we can feel it in her bones. <laughs> okay. Um, but there were people out there that I think were probably more the older generation of yeah. people who said, why does she want to go and set up a, a company making cakes? And are you sure about this? And um, I find myself sometimes earlier on in, in the process, I didn't really want to have conversations about it because I just didn't want to have that negativity in my life. And I just mm. wanted to surround myself with people who were positive about these this business that I was opening. Um, mm. But it's tough because, and I think it also comes from a good place in a lot of people. Yes. I think yes. they just want you to do well, don't they? Yeah, I mean, they want what's best for you, so they care about you. So it does come from a good place. But, you know, when you, I don't know if this is similar to yourself at all, but when you're starting something new and you've already had your doubts about it and you've done the best you can to mitigate those doubts, the last thing that I feel I need is someone on the outside questioning everything that I've been doing because it's not like I haven't been questioning that myself. So has that been a struggle for yourself? I mean, you talked about surround, wanting to surround yourself with positivity for me it's not just even positivity it's like i can deal with constructive criticism but sometimes as an entrepreneur i feel like the mindset of an entrepreneur is so different to that of a nine to five worker like one sees risk as something to avoid at all costs and the entrepreneur sees risk as something to mitigate not run towards it's not talking about being an adrenaline junkie but risk is not a reason not to try so has, mm -hmm. that been, has that been a struggle for you? I mean, does that resonate with you in terms of risk? Are you someone who, you know, risk doesn't turn them off straight away? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I went from earning a good wage, you know, working in a good job to risking this idea of working for myself, not working. And it, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of budding entrepreneurs don't actually follow through is because mm. the too high um i actually work with a company you've probably heard of it in the, in this country it's called the prince's trust mm. and they um actually provide young people with small business loans of around 500 pounds um to get started with a business and i think that that those kinds of initiatives allow people to kind of relax a little bit and not feel like they have to quit a job if, to, to set something up and it just gives them a little bit of breathing space um, and they've helped me previously with a couple of businesses that I've set up um, and I think a lot of people's reservations is it comes from essentially the financial stability that you get from working with somebody else um, and taking that that risk especially if somebody has children or they have a house to pay for and um, I was I was quite lucky because I didn't have those things but this is this is the re exact reason why I'm trying to promote entrepreneurship in young people, because that is when you don't have to, you don't have as much of a risk. It may feel like you do, but you really don't. You're at, you're at a prime age and a prime time to be creative and take risks like that. Um, and I think it just requires the right teachings and the right education. And I think uh, one of the things that I'm a big advocate for is having more women role model women entrepreneur role models mm. um i think when i was younger another reason why i probably didn't go and set my own business up earlier was because 
there was such lack of young business role models and I uh, especially female I actually attend a lot of networking events and I really do try and put myself out there in terms of business and the industries that I work in and as much as I am so inspired by these men and women who are 60 years of age who have been very successful Mm. I want to be speaking to people who are 27 and successful now and those are the kinds of people that young 16 year olds in school are going to relate to they're going to relate to the the young cool guys that just left school or they they took the leap to be an entrepreneur and and it's and it paid off and they're now very successful and there's lack of that and i try my best so much to bring forward these people and put them in front of young people because those are the people who they really relate to and as like i say as much as these entrepreneurs and business owners that are in their 60s 70s and very successful they offer a different perspective and i just think we need more younger people to kind of take a step forward and really be an inspiration i'm trying to do that but there's not there's not that many i'm hoping we get to create more well, I, I would certainly love to see that. I mean, I work with a um, a young guy who well, I, I follow him and I learn from him. He's he's the ripe old age of 22 wow. and he runs several YouTube channels. None of them really show his face. They're called faceless YouTube channels. Okay. This, 22, this 22-year-old just bought his first home for a million dollars in cash. Yeah. And I look at that and I just go, wow, I wish... I, I had been that successful at age 22, first <laughs> off. But in terms of, obviously, age is a certain factor because if you're older, you've had more time to be successful. Mm. So as you said, you know, 60 or 70-year-old, someone successful in business, there's a lot you can learn from them, definitely. Cool. I'm not I'm not dismissing that. But also in this age, I feel the pace of change is accelerating more and more quickly. Mm. So... I think the opportunities, because I think it's interesting, because at one hand, you've pointed out that there's a, a, a certain lack of younger role models, definitely. Female younger role models, absolutely. Yet at the same time, I think there's never been more opportunity than there is right now mm-hmm. to get started. Because you talk about, like, I don't know if you remember a world before social media, right? But I'm old enough to remember a world before social media without me emailing lists and TikTok and Instagram and all that, there's so many different opportunities now that simply didn't exist Mm -hmm. like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you see this sort of, so you're you're looking to inspire the next generation Mm -hmm. and there's also more opportunity than ever before. So where do you start that conversation? If you have a young person, because a lot of the time I found like, well, First off, you have to decide, well, what am I going to do as an entrepreneur? And almost always it's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I can't do anything. Um, And you have to have a conversation around that. But where do you start that conversation? If someone is in school, let's say they're 16, 17, or they just finished university, 21. And, you know, I studied to be an aeronautical engineer. I never used that degree ever. And let's say, you know, I come to you and go, what? I'd like to toy with this idea of starting my own business because I don't want to work for anyone else. How do you start that conversation? Well, first of all, I would say don't set a business up in something that you won't enjoy because you won't want to put the time and effort into it originally. Yeah. I, 
I mean, don't get me wrong, I never thought I was going to set up a dessert company. But what I did know <laughs> is that I am a foodie and I love to, one of my favourite things to do in my hobbies is to to be with my family and my loved ones and to go out and experience good food and the atmosphere that you have when you eat. So when I set my company up, it wasn't what I was selling. It was a passion of mine that I turned into something that I was making money from. And I'm a very creative person. So a huge reason for the success of my business was down to the creativity of the branding. And that was a huge role for me in my business and the marketing side. Mm. So I think essentially a business person is maybe, maybe they're big into their finance and they go crazy for finance or they're a creative person like me or they're very hands-on. I think no matter what the subject of the business is or what it is that you're yeah. selling or providing, I think you can always use your skills to the right extent. Mm. You've got to figure out what it is. I think we need to start really by, I mean, this is what I try and do at the moment with my platform, because I have a, a platform called Take Care Lead. And essentially what we try and do is we bring women from different industries to talk about their jobs and what they do and introduce young people to the different opportunities of how to be entrepreneurs. And they will give their own opinions on, and mm. we don't it we, we don't we really do tell them it's you know it's tough but if you've got it and you'll you'll succeed and these women will go into these schools and they'll talk to young people about the jobs that they do and you know what most of the time we get the response of i didn't even know that was a job i didn't even yeah. know you could do that um and i think along with that it's just about the conversations like you said we have a lot of access to social media podcasts and i think the more we talk about these things, and because at the end of the day, the, young people now are spending so much time on social media. They are listening to mm. podcasts. That's what they do. So that's the perfect way to reach these people is to kind of just be on their level and talk to these cool entrepreneurs and you know young people that are really inspiring um, and just get the conversations going because the, the access to information is just so, it's, it's everywhere. We, we can get it wherever we need it um yeah it's just putting the right people in front of them so where would you like to see yourself in entrepreneurial terms let's say in a year a few years five years do you have like a particular business goal for yourself that you'd like to set up is it more involved in inspiring the next generation of entrepreneurs is it a bit of both is it more than that i think for me i essentially would just love to have financial freedom and mm -hmm. also freedom to work from anywhere in the world and be able to just live a life full of different memories but my personality has taught me that i won't stop there and um i will just probably keep going because i always want to achieve something more um but with take care lead what i'm actually trying to do at the moment in in relationship with the prince's trust is we are actually trying to create a platform where we actually represent lots of business women. And what we do is we essentially manage those women and we actually put them in front of audiences of young people or women to motivate them and inspire them. Um, so that's a platform that I'm trying to set up. So yeah, I mean, being able to kind of inspire people and help 
other women get in front of the young generation. That is essentially what I would love to do um, alongside that financial freedom and ability to be able to travel the world. That would be the dream. But like I said, I'm sure I will never stop there and I'm sure I'll keep going. And that's what pageants taught me for 10 years, to not give up and achieve more and keep going. I have noticed, like yourself, I think a, a huge crossover between the uh, entrepreneurs and the pageant world. There seems to be a lot of entrepreneurial spirit um, in pageantry. I mean, have you noticed the same? Of, oh, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Most of the girls have got a side hustle of some kind. Yeah. 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 They, they, they don't, I think these women, they don't just do one thing. They do a million things and they do them all pretty well. Um, mm make it look very easy but then yeah most of them have got some kind of side hustle which is a great thing to have and I think if anything COVID taught us that we shouldn't just have one income stream we should try our best to be like having our fingers in different pies and kind of being involved in different things because you never know what life throws at you and I think that was something that was really good that we all learned from COVID actually to just push ourselves out there a bit more. Also, I think a lot of us ate too many desserts during COVID, but I think that's a, that's another matter completely. I, de- I definitely did. When is your um, when is your dessert brand going to become a sponsor of Miss Universe GB? That's what I want to know. I know. I don't know if that would work. The girls would kill me and <laughs> dessert. They would. Um, yeah. Currently, my brand actually works with events at the moment. That's what we do. We actually provide desserts to weddings and some parties so you never know maybe i'll pitch it to paula next year maybe it would be something we do in the after party rather than before sure can't, can't you come up with some healthy desserts isn't there such a thing as something that tastes really good and is really good for you chocolate covered strawberries maybe <laughs> that's, one, that's one thing i've never understood about you brits is wimbledon because obviously as a tennis coach i follow, I follow wimbledon the strawberries yeah. and cream I have never understood that. Like, strawberry is fine. Cream, I don't like. But then why do you just put cream on your strawberries? I I don't understand. And a little bit of sugar. Yes. Have you... Maybe what it is is that you need a British strawberry. (laughs) I don't... I've lived over in Britain for, like, on and off for periods of time. Um, I think I'm a bit of a food snob, if I'm honest, coming from Australia. But British British strawberries, you think? That's what I have to give a go. They're sweeter and maybe you would you had too much cream, just a little bit. You need to ease you in. I think what it is, it's the whole idea of watching the tennis when the sun's shining and yeah. I like oh, look, don't get me wrong. I love the idea of pims and I love the idea of watching tennis. It's just the strawberries and cream. It's an institution for you guys, and I don't understand it. But, I mean, on that note, because I, I know you're part Maori, which, for those of you yeah. who don't know, the Indigenous people in New Zealand. So are you ever planning on coming down this way? Because I think once you try the food, you might have a different outlook because you're a great foodie. You have yeah. to come down here and try the Aussie food and the Kiwi food. You know, when I actually did some traveling, I mentioned it earlier on in the interview when I I did some solo traveling and my plan was actually to head over to Australia and New Zealand. Um, And it just ended up not being the case and I had to come home, but I was meant to go back out. But then COVID happened, so I couldn't actually go. I know, but I've never been to New Zealand and, um, but I would love to visit, I would love to go. Um, And I've got to obviously visit Australia whilst I'm over there as well. Um, I, I definitely can see myself maybe spending a little bit of time over there. 
um yeah I would love to be I would love to tick that off my bucket list it would it's definitely up there for me I, I will tell you because um, when I, Emma Collingridge, obviously one of your predecessors, she came over to visit Australia just before COVID hit, actually. Yeah. And she stayed with me for a couple of months. Yeah. And I had to kick her out of Australia <laughs> by the end of it. There's something about you Brits coming over here. And I don't yeah. know if it's the, uh, the sun, what a concept, um, the food uh, or the people, but there's just something that's very addictive to you guys. So I think if you came over to Australia, you know, come, come during the summer, you could work on your tan, have endless yeah. amount. Because the other thing with Emma was that she's very picky food. Like she, the only thing she would eat is chicken and sweet corn, which to <laughs> me is, is such a, it's like, come on, you're like, you got surrounded by endless seafood, endless fresh produce, yeah. berries, vegetables, you name it. You got it. Yeah. Amazing coffee, amazing tea. And here she is. She can only eat chicken and sweet corn. But if you're a foodie and you love yeah. the outdoors, you have to come over here. And you're part Maori. You have to visit I your know. heritage, right? I know. I've heard that you've got really good sushi as well. That That is actually – see, I didn't mention it only because some people are queasy at the, the thought of raw fish. But the sushi here, yeah. put it this way, the Japanese get their fish from us. Yes. That has to tell you something. Yeah. I, there are like three sushi bars, no joke, within 10 minutes walk of where I live. And every one of them would probably be better than most of the ones I tried in the UK or even America. Adrian, I'm telling you, I could probably say there's probably one or two in the whole of my city. We we just don't do it very well. <laughs> no, no, I love I love you guys. I love the Brits, but food is not. I don't go to the UK for food um, and sushi is because you can't have sushi unless it's really fresh. Yeah. So that that's the what? big thing over here. You must have had fish and chips. I went, God forbid, I think I was in Swansea. Um, and every time I think of this, I just I feel like I'm insulting all the people who I know come from <laughs> Wales. But I think it was literally called World's Best Fish and Chips Shop. Okay. And as an Australian, I just thought, okay, you said though, that's a big claim. Like the name of the business like was world's best fish and chips or something like that and i went in so okay you got the newspaper you know that old-fashioned newspaper but i was like no no just not even close okay what uh, about a roast dinner i don't like yorkshire puddings oh no i don't i don't understand yorkshire puddings it's just fried batter and you pour gravy over it um, I love yeah. I love roasts. Don't get me wrong. I I'm a big foodie as well, and I just got a meat thermometer the other day, and a Dutch oven. And I was I've been doing all these experiments, but I don't understand Yorkshire puddings. And again, sorry, I know I've offended like 99% of Brits you out have, there. Where you have? <laughs> and then the desserts, like the Eaton mess, and all, oh, all these. Other... You have, you have so many dishes that have weird names as well, we like do. Eaton mess, and I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know, but, um, but if you're a foodie. From, well, that actually comes from, in London, Eton is a school, and that's what they used yeah. to say them there. Yeah. I, I got that part, but I didn't understand how that corresponded to what arrived in my bowl. I was like, I get Eton mess, but <laughs> that I hope that's not from Eton. I hope your it's, room doesn't look like that. It's a bit of a, a mishmash, isn't it? It's probably a lazy way of creating a dessert. Okay, I'd go with that. I'd, I'd yeah. go with that. It tastes That's... good. Well, it does for us Brits anyway. I I will tell you, like, all, all the times I've been taken out by my British friends and they're like, oh, you got to try this. Like, 
chocolate oranges and like the the fish and chips and then like I tried I tried a coronation chicken sandwich when I was over last time in the UK. I actually quite enjoyed that, but yeah. I I felt guilty about saying that because people were like, oh, that's that's junk food, that's cheap. I was like, well, actually, it's probably the nicest thing I've had <laughs> whilst I'm here. But if you're a foodie, you have to. I mean, and New Zealand, can we talk about New Zealand is the prettiest country mm-hmm. on earth. Um, yeah. where where do you trace your Maori heritage back to? Um, we're a little bit all over the place, to be honest. Um, Wellington, um, and a little bit further down. I, it's one of them, I think. We have quite distant relatives there that I we could probably reach out to and I could probably visit. Mm. Um, it was actually my granddad. My granddad actually met, he was in the Navy for New Zealand and he met my nan um, mm. and they ended up moving to Liverpool. Why did they move to Liverpool? They should have moved to New Zealand. Or Australia. Why or on Australia. earth did you move to Liverpool? <laughs> no offence to everyone living in <laughs> Liverpool. Have you ever been to Liverpool? I think so. When I, I went through a, a little tour through the UK, so I went through a few cities. So I think I w- was in Liverpool for a day or so. There's lots to do here. I love it. So next time, I feel like you need a better experience. You need a better tour guide. Okay. But you know what? That's what everyone says when, when I bring up the UK. Everyone says, you haven't been to the right place yet. I'm like, how many times do I have to go before someone shows? <laughs> and the thing is, like, very seriously, as an Australian, I love the sun. I love being outdoors, tennis yeah. coach. And I didn't really think that seasonal affective de- de- depression was a thing. But when I went over to the UK and I had to live indoors throughout a UK winter, I have yeah. never been more miserable in my life, Jess. Yeah. It was just it's- terrible. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky because this winter I'm going to be in El Salvador. So hopefully I won't get any of that this year, which is wonderful. Best best reason to enter pageantry is to to travel somewhere sunnier. But if you if you avoid seasonal depression. That's true. But if you end up do coming down this way, just know that New Zealand and Australia, they're about like an hour and a half or two hours by flight away from one another. They're extremely close. So you could easily do if you wanted to. Well, most people want to see the east coast of Australia, so you to Sydney, Melbourne, etc. And then it's a very quick flight between Melbourne and um, New Zealand for sure. And then New Zealand, your Wellington, I believe, is on the North Island. You've got two islands. The South Island is where most of the tourists go. That's where mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings was shot, and you can go like yeah. Queenstown, jet boating, all that crazy stuff. And that's great fun. Go skiing as well, um, yeah. and well, I- drink. Yeah. I actually have my scuba diving license and obviously that's the place to, to go and to do it. So I would love to do that. Well, one of my best friends over here, she's a certified scuba diver. Wow. So she could take you around. She could take you around, certainly around here. Um, so you'd be set. And then you just have to deal with the really friendly people, the best wine and coffee in the world and amazing food. I well, mean, you know what? It all adds up because actually my favorite wine to drink is a Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. I'm exactly the same. That all I know when it comes because I never used to be able to drink white wine. It would always yeah. give me a headache, until I literally tried Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, and it's like this one didn't give me a headache. So now, the only white wine I'll have, I'll ask for a Marlborough a Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough every yeah. time. Like your side, so just calling me. I just you're giving me even more reasons to visit. 
I'm trying to make you jealous, if I'm, if I'm honest. I'm just putting in a plug for Australia. I mean, I was talking to some people here because there's a tourism pageant, and I was like, you know, Big Miss Tourism Australia, it's probably the easiest job in the world. I mean, how hard is it to convince people to come here? Honestly, if you don't want to come here, you just hate traveling. Um, but like, if you like sushi, yes, you, you, you don't eat for a month before you come here. Okay. You, you can eat yourself silly. Sushi is one of probably the best things we do here, as well as really fresh, like beef, lamb, like it's in New Zealand as well. And pro, like it's so fresh. When I go overseas, I just like, oh, I miss home. But um, I have family yeah. on the coast. So, oh, wow. Okay. Come over, don't I? What are you waiting for then? I know. I'm just so busy, you know? I'm so busy recently. I'm, I don't have any time. So maybe once I get calm down, I'll make a trip. Well, I mean, after Miss Universe, you might need a holiday. So I will. <laughs> and that would be our summer, by the way. And we're supposed to be having a very warm summer, just so you know. I'm not and sure. I'm really, really looking forward to that because I do not like the rain. I know we need it, but I hate it. And we're supposed to be having a really hot summer. And I'm like, yes. But so. how hot are you talking, though? Oh, well, you you Brits, you, you, you spontaneously combust as soon as it goes over 20. So, <laughs> you know, you'll probably turn lobster. I'm Maori, so I'm different. I'm different. Are you sure? This is a natural <laughs> fan. That's impressive. Okay, because yeah. when, when Emma was over here, she was so proud of the tan that she thought she put on. And then she sat next to me. We were doing a live and she looked like Casper the ghost. She looked like my, <laughs> my one. And she was like, I promise I'm more tan than this. He just makes me look pale. It's like, I don't make you look pale. You are pale. Um, <laughs> but on a, on a good summer, we'd be talking not, not um, unbearably hot. Like, for example, when I went to the US last time, I was in Texas in summer. Mm -hmm. Every day was over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It was like 110 and 80, 90% humidity. Not like that. For me, that was oppressive. But it's a nice heat um, like high 20, mid to high 20s on average, really hot day could get up to 40, but that's unusual. But it's really nice hot without being oppressive. Well, that's I how mean, I would put it. For us, it's hot if it's 22 degrees. I know. Yes, I know. It goes over 20 and all you guys run to the beach in your bikinis like, yes, heat wave. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm freezing here. I'm still wearing yeah. my yeah. winter jacket. It, that is one of the funny things. Like when I interview people from so many different places in the world, um, one of the things I noticed very quickly about you guys, when you go overseas in their sun, next Instagram shot, you're all pink. You're all red. You're all flaking. You've all burnt yourself to death. Yeah. I'm like, guys, don't do that. That looks really painful. But um, yeah, if you have Maori blood, and Maoris are very proud. The Kiwis are one of the things that New Zealanders do best. They're very proud of their heritage. So many of yeah. them speak the Maori language. Um, yeah. I have more than a few Maori friends, and they're all very proud of it, rightly so. And New Zealand really is. I mean, I love Sydney. That's where I am. But yeah. New Zealand, it's the prettiest country yeah. in the world. You can go to a major metropolis, but you could also do what I did, take an RV, drive through the South yeah. Island, and you won't see people, a person for like 100 miles, and you see everything. So, um, have I sold you yet? <laughs> you have, you have, and it's definitely on my bucket list. I definitely feel like I might do a bit of work over there as well for a short period of time. You know, when I manage to get my financial freedom, and I definitely well, it'll probably be on my first place to visit. To be honest, it's been on there for a while now. You can claim it as a tax deduction. 
product yes. research. Come and eat cheesecakes over here and you can claim it all as a tax. tax. I'm doing product research. Well, actually, that- it really would be for you. Yeah. It really would be a tax break. Yeah, it would. So there you go. You could write the yeah. whole trip off as a as an edgy, like a work research, you know, that sort of thing and just eat cheesecake until, you know, the cows come home. So I will go. let you know when I'm coming over. <laughs> I, well, I'm glad. Yes, I'm glad I'm glad I sold you on that. And but by the way, I do love like cheesecake is my favorite dessert. I oh, yeah. don't know why. I just yeah. ate one this weekend. Um it's like the yeah. Anyway, um we should probably get back to the interview. <laughs> we just got distracted. Um we did have a question back here. Sorry, I I, I let it lapse. Uh, now, Eleni, all the way back when we were talking about the school system, said, yes, so much more can be done in education. Yeah. Uh, Brittany had the question here, Brittany Feeney. Hey, Jess, can you give us any hints on the style and color of your dress? I know you can't reveal, she corrected her. I know you can't reveal all, but any clues? Would you like to give any clues? Oh, you know, it's, I think, I, I, I feel like a real prima donna whenever I talk about this in front of people that don't understand pageantry because <laughs> my levels of stress over a dress is probably a little bit excessive and people will be like, Jess, it's just a dress. Um, but I always say I've been watching the Miss Universe evening gown competition since I was 16, 15. So to me, this is a huge thing. Um, but where do you even start? I mean, this is so big. This is, this is probably bigger than my wedding dress will be one day. Uh, <laughs> but I am working with a designer from Asia and mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Um, I actually don't have a final design yet, which is a little bit stressful. Um, but I'm actually definitely trying to involve as many people in kind of the decisions and helping me to like choose those kinds of colors and styles. Um, But I'm hoping to be honest for most of my wardrobe whilst I'm out there, I would like to wear British designers and and my rehearsal outfits. I would really like to do that. Um, But my gown is is an Asian designer, but yeah, that's all I can say so far. I love how these things are like closely guarded state secrets. You learn that very quickly in pageantry. Um, all right, well, we've been on for a while. We should probably move towards a close. Just before we do, is there anyone that you want to give a shout-out to for supporting you along your journey? You know, I think it sounds cliche, but my parents have been doing this 10-year journey with me. And when I actually won, my mom stood up in the audience and she turned around to everybody behind her and she shouted, that's my daughter! Um, so. And there's a photo actually circulating somewhere and it's the three of us. And um, it's they, they're both just looking at me with so much pride. And I think essentially they were the only people that I really wanted to make proud. So yeah, and I think most most girls will say this to you. It's, it's a family thing, you know, mm. when girls do this, um, it's the whole family's involved. The whole, you know, my dad is helping to, carry everything and helping me to source everything and my mom's doing the same and you know it, it is like that you, you really do it consumes your life so they've been there for a long time and um they kind of supported me when I made those decisions to keep going and I appreciate that very much um but also just huge shout out to all of the pageant community in the UK and the support that they've given me since I won has just been overwhelming so um hopefully we can continue that and as I mm. go to 
Yes, I would love, you know, as much support from the UK as possible so we can really make our mark at Miss Universe. And I'm hoping to be able to do that this year. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get to these final 10 questions. Number one, what is your favorite word? It's got to be determined. It's got to be because I've mentioned it about 10 times since I've been on this call. So, yeah, it has to be determined. Yeah. Fair enough. I thought it was going to be food because you've mentioned that also about 10 times as well. But either one. Um, number two, what is your least favorite word? Hmm. Do you know what? It's got to be a word. It's called fl it's a flump. It's a marshmallow in the UK. <laughs> that is my least favorite word. <laughs> That sounds like what the sound a marshmallow makes when you drop it on the floor. Flump. Well, it... <laughs> it, it sounds so actually, disappointing. Flump. It, yeah. But it is actually a brand. It's a marshmallow in the UK. It's called a flump. And I just... It's a bit... I'm not a fan. That, that is a first answer. That's the first time I've been given that as an answer <laughs> to any question, I assure you. Um, number three, in life, what gets you excited or what turns you on? Do you know what? What gets me excited is travel i love traveling and being able to see the world um visiting new countries that is definitely a passion of mine yeah what about what turns you off <sighs> bad food bad food turns me off yeah that ruins my day ruins my night is there any particular one food that you just will not eat you know, no, no, I am. I love all foods. I'm not picky at all. But what I just don't like is if I'm really looking forward to a good meal and it disappoints. Mm. That yeah. is the best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am understanding now why you're such good friends with Georgie. Suddenly everything has become clear. <laughs> uh, number five, what sound or noise do you love? Wow. What sound or noise do I love? Oh. These are interesting questions, Adrian. I love the sound of having my name announced as Miss Universe Great Britain. That's a very niche sound. You won't hear that very many times, I guess, unless you, you replay it. Uh, what about what sound or noise do you hate? I hate motor racing. <laughs> That sound when it's on the television of like zoom, zoom, zoom of the racing cars, I hate that sound. <laughs> Don't say that to Emma Collingridge. I think she's crazy about motor racing. <laughs> I, I'm not. Like, I, I can't think of it. She watches it on TV. I'm just like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. But okay. <laughs> to each their own. Okay. I don't judge. Um, number seven, if you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why? Oh, if I could have any one superpower, it would be to click my fingers and be in any country in the entire world or be in any kind of time in my life. Just that click of a finger and be wherever I want to be. Um, so I get on long flights. <laughs> Don't talk to me about long flights coming from Australia. That's a very strong click you have, Jess. Can you just do that again? Oh, it only works on the first go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've worn out the muscles now, but that was a very, that's a very impressive sounding click. Um, number eight, what job other than your own would you most like to attempt? 
Do you know, I've always wanted to be a police officer. When I actually finished university, I applied for a graduate scheme in the UK for MI5. And um, that was an intelligence analyst role. And I that would have been amazing. I got to the final interview, but I didn't actually get the job. But yeah, that, that idea of a police officer um, or some like detective or something like that, I would love to do that job. Are you the next James Bond? I hope so. This this could be amazing. I never thought about that as an opportunity for me, but you've just planted the seed. I can see it. I can see it. I mean, you're definitely competitive and, you know, yeah. you, you, you look the part. I'm sure you can look amazing in a suit. So yeah, I would but... love to. I'm going to have to contact the producers and find out how to get myself in there. Uh, number nine, what job would you definitely not like to attempt? What job would I definitely not like to attempt? Um, you know, I think it's got to be, it's an emergency services role again. Um, I think a firefighter has a very, very hard job and um, I don't think they get enough credit. They definitely put themselves under a lot of dangerous situations and they have to ha carry a lot of heavy equipment. Um, so yeah, it would probably be that job. That's so funny because literally the last person I interviewed before yourself is a firefighter. No way. <laughs> Over in Canada, I think she's all of 19 years old and she's like one of the first, you know, at that age, female firefighters in Canada. So it's so funny that you've mentioned that. Yeah. Like, what are the I odds of that? For people who do that. And, you know, it's the same with like most emergency services. They definitely um, mm. don't get paid enough for what they should. I think they, they play a huge role. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that is be a tough job. Yeah. Well, she was in the armed forces before that, so uh, she she know, she knows a thing or two about tough jobs. Um, final question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I would like to hear him say, "You did a great job, and you left a legacy that people will remember, and you did a good job in inspiring." The people who you left behind yeah perfect well jess it's been a pleasure thank you so much for coming on thank you thanks for having me we've had a great conversation i can't wait to come over and see you in australia soon i will get the sushi ready yes. um i will keep you on the line for just a sec whilst i hang up with the audience but thanks to everyone for watching and we will speak to you next time bye for thank now thank you so much hey thanks so much for watching Sorority Access is now open, so if you'd like to join an amazing group of women and learn how to be the most powerful, confident and impactful queen possible, head to the pageantsorority.com. I'll see you there and see you in the next video.